I think that's a real key thing in our culture is that there is caring and attention from the top. Their leaders are real people. And they're willing to give of themselves and their families. There's a genuine caring and concern about people and the way we treat people. We need programs and policies in place to be able to manage things, but we also have a tremendous flexibility. How do you treat the people the right way? It's a fine line sometimes, but usually it's not a tough one to do the right thing for the people, and that's the vector way. We are a people business. If you take care of your people and help them be the best version of themselves, you'll get that benefit of reaching your sales goals. That's where you get your rewards back. That's the voice of John Welpley, one of the most important figures in the 70-plus year history of Cutco. As the longtime CFO, John was responsible for safeguarding the company's financial sustainability. In this role, some leaders struggle to find the balance between people and profit. But Cutco and Vector Marketing have been able to establish a people-first strategy for decision-making, which has led to amazing longevity among employees and field managers and solid corporate profitability. The Vector Way, as it's known, is largely a reflection of John Welpley's philosophies and core values. And John now serves as president and COO of Vector Marketing. It's time for all of you to get to know this exemplary leader, and I'm proud to bring John's story to the podcast today. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I am honored and grateful today to have the President and Chief Operating Officer of Vector Marketing Corporation on the podcast. Mr. John Welpley is our guest today. He has been in the Cutco business since 1981. He was a student at St. Bonaventure University in Olean, New York, and started working as an accounting intern with the company, stayed on full-time after graduation, was in accounting, was actually in computer programming for a while, believe it or not. And ultimately, John became the controller of the company. He was in that position for many years, advanced to become the CFO of the company for a while, and now president and COO of Vector Marketing. So an amazing leader and somebody who has been a big part of forming the culture of the corporation. And uh, John Welpley, very grateful to have you on. Thanks very much for making time. 
Thank you, Dan. It's an honor to be on the show with some of the other names you've already had. <laughs> well, I've been looking forward to having you for a while. And I'm really excited, John, to be able to have the people in our company or people who have worked with our company get to know you a little bit. We don't get to hear you speak very much at you know any sort of events and share your stories and things like that. And so I think it's going to be an awesome opportunity for people to get to know you. And I'd love it if you could start with a little bit of your personal background, personal story. Well, my background begins not far from Olea. I grew up in a small town east of here. Uh, actually grew up on a farm and in a family business. So very on, I learned a lot of my core values from my father about running a business and treating people fairly. I uh, got a chance to go to St. Bonaventure. And as you mentioned, my, between my junior and senior year, I got two job offers. One was to work here as an accounting intern, and the other was to run the front gate at Chautauqua Institute and have 40 young ladies who were running all the teller windows report to me. <laughs> Somehow the factory wasn't quite as alluring as that, but you also learn in life that, you know, go for things that make good common sense. It's like investing. Don't go for the commodity market when you don't have savings yet. So I decided to go for the cuckoo opportunity, and I stayed. And I was very grateful because when I was graduating, Alcoa, when we were still a subsidiary of Alcoa, put a hiring freeze on. And my internship was supposed to lead me to a job in Alcoa. So I graduated and was immediately told I had no job with Alcoa. Bob Lorenz, who was the chief financial officer, kept me on. Mm. And uh, shortly thereafter, Eric Lane led a leveraged buyout that purchased the company from Alcoa. So I became a full-time employee here. Shortly after that, we were having financial trouble because we weren't in control of our business. We were manufacturing knives for wherever, which was selling the Cuckoo line, and a number of other private labels. And we had a bank loan. And the bank loan was called because the bank in New York was leaving the area. So we went out and found, I didn't, Bob Lorenz, Eric Lane, Jim Stitt went out and found another banking opportunity for us. And part of that was, is we had to meet our forecast. Right. So in my second full year here, I took a pay cut in order to keep my job. Wow. Everybody did. All the salaried employees took a pay cut. The hourly workforce did not take their pay raise. And we met our goal of the profitability. We got the loan from the bank and we actually exceeded the plan on profit. So Eric and Jim and Bob elected to give that money back to the employees. That's what started a profit sharing program that continues today. One of the core values we have is we want to share in the financial success of the company with the employees. So as we make profits, we share those back with our people. And that's a big annual bonus for the manufacturing group and the people here in Olean that when we have good times, we share. When we have lean times, we don't share as much. So that had its roots back in those days when Eric and Jim and others bought the company from Alcoa. When we bought it from Alcoa and we, we got a bank loan to do it was a leveraged buyout, which means the owners at the time all put up their personal assets as collateral and got a bank loan to pay the money to Alcoa to buy the business. That bank loan got called two years in. So we had to scramble. And when we all the employees pitched together, 
the officers and owners didn't forget that. And when that started the ProfitShare program by giving back and sharing. Mm. When we have financial success, we share with our people. Mm. And that was an, that's an important, when you talk about core values, that's one of the things that has been there since Eric and Jim, and I say Bob Lorenz. Bob Lorenz is still alive and well, 91, retired, obviously. Uh, so is Eric. But they've continued on with those, those thoughts and patterns for now on 47 years. Yeah. Wow. That is awesome. That is cool to hear. So you graduated from St. Bonaventure and then you were planning on going to work at Alcoa, but there was nothing there. So you stayed in Cutco and had a chance to experience those early years. That's pretty cool. It was wonderful. It was a great experience. Yeah. Some people sometimes goes, how, how did I get to where I was? I am today. Part of it's because I was here at the beginning and grew and learned along the way. It was there when they needed people to take on tasks that gave me opportunities that a lot of young people today wouldn't get in a larger company. In 1985, we bought Vector Marketing Corporation from Don Frieda in January. So I got sent to Philadelphia to help take care of closing that and starting to set up the books for Vector. Uh In February, we bought CWE, the company owned by Don Mulrath. Uh So in February, I got shipped to San Francisco to help close that deal and start to set up the books there. Oh, and you worked with Don for how long? Well, till Don retired, I worked with him, but started in 1985. So I worked out in California for two years. Two years. Uh, actually, at one point, I, was, I had apartments in Olean, Philadelphia, and Napa, California. <laughs> and I was floating one week a, a month to Olean and to Philadelphia, and the other two I was staying in, in Napa. Wow funny story. My first flight, I'm flying with Don Mulrath back to California as we close this deal. So I'm flying with Don. We come into San Francisco and it's a little windy in February. And we come down and we hit hard and bounce back into the air. And my first thought is, well, Don Mulrath knows what he's doing. Don't panic. I look over and Don's white knuckled both both hands onto the armrest. I'm thinking <laughs> we're going to die. <laughs> oh my gosh. But Don, it was fun. Don was hilarious. Don is a passionate promoter of everything. For and sure. He, not, he didn't do anything from his fly fishing videos uh, and his podcast with you. He is still a promoter and, and believer in the, the value of promotion. Indeed. Indeed. So, so that's cool. So you got to spend two years working with Don in Napa. I didn't know you were traveling back and forth between Olean and Philadelphia during that time as well. So that's uh, pretty amazing to think about having to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, we were running two separate organizations, Vector East and Vector West. We're two separate locations. We were shipping the products out of Philadelphia when I first went down there. We closed up the warehouse there and we closed up the warehouse in Napa to ship the product out of only in New York. Mm-hmm. But all the processing of orders and all the commissions were being paid out of those two locations. And so we had two sets of books um, legally that I had to maintain and prepare every month. So that's why I was traveling back and forth. Yeah. Wow. What have been uh, some other favorite stories from your career or some of the most important experiences that you feel stand out? 
Well, I've been fortunate because one of the things I've had is I've had the opportunity to work with every one of our sales leaders and actually have some great personal interaction times with them. Uh, starting with Don Frieda. Don Frieda was the founder of Vector. And while I was in Philadelphia, I got to spend uh, quite a bit of time with him, both on a personal basis, him and Teresa, and got to play at his house. Don had a basketball court in his house. Funny story is, is we were in a pickup game and Don's very competitive. And in this game, I was on his team. and He decided he wanted to take the ball to the hoop and his son, Joey, was guarding him. So Don comes up, I come up right at the top key and I set a pick and you can tell I'm not a small guy. <laughs> and Don's dribbling the ball and he's smiling at Joey and Joey has no clue I'm standing there. And all of a sudden Don says, Joey, I want to introduce you to John Welpley. <laughs> and poor Joey ran into me on the pick and fell down. He even called it out to him. Oh yeah, he said, I just want to introduce you to John Welpley. So he went down. Nice. I know Don Murath, who I got to work with for two years in Napa and had some great times with him and Marty. In fact, I had the opportunity to put in Don Murath's sprinkler system in his lawn. <laughs> he, he was gracious in offering that to me for a couple of weekends. We did that. And on the sport court that he mentioned in his podcast, Don didn't quite mention that his elbows were a little bit like needles. <laughs> and I had yes. more acupuncture than I care to remember. <laughs> um, uh, I recall those. Yes. And when I was on Don's team, he liked to be on the court. But I can remember more than one occasion uh, at SLCs and places like that where Don Frieda and Don Murath got on the courts on opposing teams. And you could spend hours there until one or the other lost. And it, sometimes it was almost to the point where the rest of us wanted to throw the game, but we were afraid. <laughs> and then Mike Lancelot, Mike and Joni are wonderful people. They're warm, they're genuine, they're very outgoing. And Mike was always willing to sit and spend the time and talk and visit. Uh, if I'd learned to play golf, Mike probably would have taken me on the course. <laughs> um, and of course, Bruce Goodman and Al Leonardo also have had wonderful times with Barbara, with um, Madeline and their husbands. Um, they're again, part of what makes the culture of this business so good is that our leaders are real people. And they're genuine people that care about people and they're willing to give of themselves and their families um, the time uh, that is so hard to get with your families. They're still willing to share that. And I know that both Bruce and Al hold regular events where they're bringing people to their homes or visiting and spending quality time with them. And again, in today's day and age, a lot of people don't do that. I think that's a, a real key thing in our culture is that there is caring and attention from the top. Jim Jr. is the same way with Susanna. Uh, I know that you just recently returned from Paris and you saw them and you saw the interaction they had with everyone and how they care about people. So it's not just the sales side, it's also all the ownership side in that, that aspect. Yeah. Definitely, uh, you know, one of the things that has made me want to stay around here so long is the quality of the people who were around. And that has been a very, very important part of keeping so many of us in the company for so long. So it's cool. Well, I'll give you credit and the rest of the RMs credit as well, because you carry that on as well. There's a genuine caring and concern about people and the way we treat people. And that is, I think, 
probably one of the biggest things. And, and some of that goes to, I think, Dan, a, an idea that you talked a little bit about when we were visiting about this podcast is the vector way. Um, I know for me in my role, and you complimented me on the balance between financial and people, that's part of the vector way. When we look at things, we're trying to make decisions that say, hey, what is right for everybody? And Bob Lorenz taught me the Rotarian way, the four-way test. Is it fair and right? And that goes for both the individual and the organization. And sometimes those things can be a conflict, but quite often a decision for what's right for an individual is not wrong for the organization. It may not be the most positive or the absolute best answer, but it's not wrong. So, so often, and Bruce is a big proponent of this, is how do we make sure we're doing things the vector way when we're taking care of people? Mm-hmm. They're individuals. We need programs and, and policies in place to be able to manage things, but we also have a tremendous flexibility. Some of the people here in Olean aren't real happy with me when I tell them the only rule we have is just an exception to every other rule. <laughs> because again, we're looking at people. Right. You know, and how do you treat the people the right way? And sometimes we have to look at ways that are different than what we want to do for the masses. Mm-hmm. And had the opportunities to practice that. Um, Don Milroth was also a big proponent of what can we do that's right by the people. Uh, Don Frieda believed in it. That's what he spoke to from the podium at times. Right. Uh, Mike Lancelot lived it. And I've had, again, good fortune. All those, all those gentlemen have had that same philosophy in them. And they're willing to listen to balance it to the overall organization. So it's a fine line sometimes. But usually it's not a tough one to do the right thing for the people. And that's the vector way. Because yeah. at the end of the day, we are a people business. Indeed. We bought vector marketing. The biggest asset we bought wasn't an asset. It was the sales team. It was what we would call in accounting an intangible asset, but it was very real. It was the division and district managers that were on board at the time we bought the business. Hmm. That's a profound point. What do you feel like, John, are your own personal characteristics that have enabled you to climb up in the company from, you know, accounting intern, new accounting staffer, all the way up to being the COO today? Well, I think a big portion of it, again, goes back to some of the things I've been talking about culturally in the business. One is honesty and integrity in in dealing with people, trying to do the right things by people, not just the vector way, but also just in human relationships and interactions, respecting people um, and trying to find solutions rather than trying to find ways to find blame. Mm-hmm. Um, probably when I'm, I'm a hard worker, I uh, am usually coming into work, Dan, probably slightly after you and Bruce go to bed. Now there's the West Coast time difference, but I'm a morning person and you gentlemen are more night owls. <laughs> Indeed. Um, in fact, Steve Weber, who was a legend in our business, he and I used to have phone calls. He'd send me a, a message. Well, this was back before texting, but he would send a, an email 
that he was driving home from someplace in Central California back down to San Diego at 5.30 or 6 in the morning, I'd call and we'd visit while he drove. <laughs> he, would, he was one that said, you know, the sun never sets on the Vector Empire. <laughs> There's always somebody awake and on watch. <laughs> and it's true. Yeah. Um, we're made up of a lot of great people, a lot of great different traits. Well, your hard work is something that is legendary in the company. And, and I can definitely attest to having gotten emails from you where you're already in the office and I am not yet asleep at night out here on the West Coast. So that's definitely true. And the honesty and integrity that you brought up, you really have a remarkable level of generosity, right? For a guy who is supposed to be the financial watchdog, I guess you can say, for the company. If we were to ask people, what is one of your great qualities? I'm sure that generosity is one of the things that a lot of people would say about you. And it, it is an interesting balance that a leader like you has to find. And I just feel like you've done a great job of finding that balance. And you know, maybe you could speak a little more about that. And you know, just how did that evolve with you? Where did it come from? And how do you implement that on a regular basis? Well, first, um, thank you for the compliment. Um, I learned some of that back again with my father. My father was a small business owner and there were times where he knew of families that had issues or problems that things appeared to help them, whether it be equipment, whether it be tools or that he had in his business that he could loan to him with no question asked or even a basket of food. And he never promoted that. He never said to anyone, this is what I did. It just happened and that was it. Um, so I believe in a lot of that same um, humility towards being generous. If you have to broadcast your generosity, then it's not generosity, it's publicity. Hmm. Um, and I, again, I'll compliment some people in our business. Um, you may have had a chance to see the new recruiting video and the fact that we highlight Angel Wings Front Row Foundation, PP&J, um, things that our people are doing to give back. And the only reason why some of those things are publicized is to help raise awareness. And I know that there are a lot of people, yourself included, are doing things on an individual basis that aren't publicized. But when you look at some of those organizations and what some of our people are doing, they're living that same thing of generosity. And they're engaging people. And it's amazing. I mean, Brad Britton and some of the efforts that he has led on Cutco trips to find ways to give back. John Keane with the CSP community and all the things. In fact, one of my fondest memories is working in New Orleans after the hurricane mm -hmm. and rebuilding the Habitat for Humanity. Right. Rebuilding a roof down in the Ninth Ward. And the owner of the house that we were building showed up. He was in his 70s, and he climbed up on the roof to say thank you to all of us as we're putting a new roof on this house. And his daughter showed up and chewed him out because dad shouldn't be on the roof at 70. <laughs> <laughs> that was when the, our CSP team had a conference yes. in New Orleans, right? right? Right shortly after that, right? That's where we went down to the Ninth Ward and worked for Habitat for Humanity. We had so many people show up. We actually were working on three different houses all the same day. But it's given back. 
And I've been very fortunate. I've had a very successful career. I've worked hard at it and I've been rewarded well for it. And to give back to others is something that we should do. You watch a lot of the the great businesses of the early 19th century and the Andrew Carnegie's and those who built millions of dollars. The old library restaurant where many people have had dinner was originally an Andrew Carnegie library. And the fact that he donated money for a library to be built only in New York, he accepted a social responsibility. There are others in that era that didn't, but it's when you're blessed. Warren Buffett, you know, and Bill Gates, the millions and billions that they're putting into foundations to help people. So as we reap our rewards, we should share them back with others. Definitely, definitely. That's a great comment. And I would hope that all the young people in Vector who would be listening to this can consider how they can take that to heart, how they can implement that. It doesn't need to be in big ways not the start, but uh, in small ways, you know, begins to accumulate. And it does a lot of people impacting the world in small ways does end up making a big difference. And so that's a cool concept that you share that as we reap greater rewards, we need to be able to share it with others. And it really is neat to see, if you think about this full circle, how this started with you being a part of the company when the leveraged buyout happened and, you know, you took a pay cut and hourly employees, you know, declined a pay raise and everybody sort of kicked in to make sure the company could get through that critical stage in those early days. And, you know, then when the company got through with some extra profit in tow, they gave it back to everybody. And a lot of lessons kind of came from that early experience for you and and, uh, helped shape, you know, the way the company operates today. Well, it's a key thing um, to build culture. And for a lot of our sales managers, it's building a culture of trust in your sales organization. Are you truly looking out for the best of the people that are in your business? Not necessarily are they just generating sales, but are you looking out for the best in them and helping them be the best version? That's where you get your rewards back. I've had the opportunity um, for 39 years to have dinners with people coming only in as they're looking at the management opportunity and sitting with branch and district manager candidates. And one of the things I tell them on a repetitive basis is if you take care of your people and help them be the best version of themselves, whether it's they're selling homemakers or shareholders, then you'll get your sales volume. You'll get your sales success. But you have to recognize that everybody's not the same and their desire and level of success isn't the same. But if you can help them reach that, you'll get that benefit of reaching your sales goals. And one of the greatest compliments you can get is someone that comes back five or 10 years after they've left our business. And I know, Dan, personally, you've had some people come back and say, you made a difference in my life. You may not remember it when you were a a district manager in Filippo Mancini's division, but you made a difference in someone's life and they came back and said, thank you. Yeah, indeed. Quite a few times, of course. And it's pretty cool to have that experience. You offered up the insight that it's always important to be acting in the best interest of individuals. And that doesn't always mean it's the best thing for the company or the best thing for the you know local manager making a decision. It certainly isn't 
necessarily bad for them either. Uh, a lot of times those decisions are sort of neutral in the short term for the individual manager or for the company, but that in the long term, those types of decisions always come back to be positive decisions overall. And that that's something for people to keep in mind as they're going through their day-to-day and they're thinking about how to work with a rep or how to handle a problem situation or how to help service a particular customer or anything you know, where a person has to make a short-term decision, maybe to outlay a few extra dollars or a little bit extra of their time or something like that to help solve a problem. But it's building a relationship. It's taking care of people in the process. And that uh, that's something that you know clearly is you've learned and you've done throughout your entire career and that, that it was done for you when you were younger in the business as well. So that whole notion, that whole idea to me is one of the key components of the Vector way and it's something that you know. I think we all see in you, and you've clearly helped spread to so many others. Well, you mentioned two important things in the commentary. One is, it's not necessarily huge amounts of money. When you talk about some of our young managers who sometimes feel a person didn't earn a single minimum profit payment, and when you're looking at a $15 payment and you help that person leave the business feeling as good as possible, for 15 bucks, it's cheap. And the, right. and the goodwill that you generate down the road for yourself or others is unimaginable. You can't, you can't comprehend it because it's not measurable, but it's real. And the other thing that you mentioned that is a critical thing is people want time. You don't have enough time to give everybody time, but everybody wants time. And they want the opportunity to have someone that says, hey, you're okay. Dan, you did a good job. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Those phrases sometimes, all those phrases sometimes are lost in the hustle of trying to move from one to the next. And they make lasting impressions. And they make lasting impressions on people. For a guy that's getting as old as I am now, I want to make sure those impressions are made because some of those people are going to be my healthcare providers in a few years. <laughs> I want them to think fondly of me. It's for the rest of the world too. Yeah. You got a lot of years, John. You're still a young man. <laughs> uh, next month, I'll start my 40th year here. Wow. So, That's um, pretty cool. It's funny when kids, I say kids, and I don't mean to be disrespectful for the young people coming through, but when they hear that, it used to be um, Stu Smith and I were standing talking to a, a young lady one day, one night at the old library for dinner. She goes, how long have you two been in the business? And Stu's like two years ahead of me as far as years. So he's like 21, 22 years, and I'm 20 years. And, um, and you just hear in her mind going, that's longer than I've been alive. <laughs> but now it's getting, when I say I'll be in my 40th year, they're like, that's as old as my parents. <laughs> wow, wow. So I'm starting to know how you feel. I can still remember, you know, back when I had the first, you know, new rep that came in whose birthday was after I started in the business. I know. (laughs) Uh, That's always a little bit of a jarring experience for a, a vector manager as you grow up in the company. But it's a real testament to our company that so many people have been here for 20 years, 25, 30, 40 years, right? And at the factory, there's a few even longer than that, right? We've got a couple there in their 45, 50 years, yes. Yeah. Well, we've had them reach 50 some years, but 
right now, I think our, our longest tenured employees, well, um, it's this uh, distinguished gentleman, James, um, yeah, Stitt. Yeah, that's it. I'm a senior employee right now. Senior, not junior. <laughs> wow, he's the longest tenured employer right now. That, I think uh, he's the longest great. tenured full-time employee, yes. That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, you know, as you look uh, ahead, John, into the future, what do you feel like you're most excited about for the company? It's the people. One of my goals in my life is when I get ready to retire is that this organization, the 800 people that are employed, the tens of thousands of people who are engaged in our direct sales team, their managers, our region managers, have an enduring opportunity. That's the biggest thing. You know, people say, what, what would you like your legacy to be? That this business is thriving. And the good news, I think that it will be. I think it will be. And I think we're, we're metamorphing. Is that the right word? Metamorphing? Something like that. Um, that is at an, an amazing rate right now. We are moving to a virtual recruiting training and sales organization literally overnight this year. We've been doing it for several years, but what I see us doing and the opportunities it creates for the future are just going to be amazing because it opens up whole new worlds for some of our people to be able to operate in. And it's a technology and a level that the people entering our business are very comfortable with. So I'm excited about that because it just means so much more that 5, 10, 15 years down the road that this business is going to be not only thriving, but bigger. Here, here. How about personally, John? What's exciting in your life personally? My oldest son is going to get married this year, I hope. Um, I say I hope they're ready to get married. It's just whether we can have a wedding or not <laughs> in the state of New York. Right. With, with everything shut down. Um, that's very exciting. Both of my sons are very successful. One's a special ed teacher at a high school level. The other is a newly... Um, admitted member to the New York State Bar. So those things are exciting and watching watching your children grow. And, and again, goes back a little bit to, I've watched thousands of people grow in our business. But there's a little something special when it's one of yours. And I'm sure, Dan, that the first time your son picks up a sales kit or does a virtual demo now, <laughs> you're, you're going to be thinking, that's my boy. Yeah, indeed. And, Indeed, for sure. My kids are a long way off from that point still, but somewhere in 2032, 2032, my daughter will have a chance. She'll be the first one. She's the older one. And then uh, a few years after that, the little guy will have his chance as well. So that's pretty cool. Well, John, you know, the whole concept of the vector way, there's so many facets to it that surround how we treat people the spirit of generosity, abundance mentality, cooperating with others, all of the things that people in Vector do. Vector has this very special culture that is, in many ways, it's almost strange how positive the Vector culture is because it doesn't exist in so many other places. And so many reps have come back to me after years working here and said, oh man, where I'm working now, it's just not the same. And there's so many cool things about what we do here. And you truly been one of the most instrumental leaders in helping to shape that over the years. And I know, you know, from all of my interactions directly with you that uh, you constantly 
exceed expectations in terms of the response you have to anything that comes up and just, uh, you know, how well you strive to make sure people feel taken care of and feel part of a family here in the company. So I'm very grateful for all that, John. And, uh, you know, just want to make sure everybody in the company hears that and hears your story. And, you know, very happy that we could share a little bit about your insights and your leadership here today. So thanks so much. Thank you, Dan. And one of the things you just mentioned is just as a leader, people have got to be able to rely on you to follow through. And that's one of the things that you do and so many of your counterparts do is if you say you're going to get something done, you get it done and you communicate along the way. So those things are so important to helping people understand what's going on in an organization. And obviously with in Olean right now, I will credit Jim Stitt Jr. in doing a masterful job of communicating to people while we're in a shutdown because of this coronavirus that we're able to, our people know what's going on and Jimmy's communicating to them on a daily basis with messages and showing that they're people, we're caring about them, we're worried about them, we're doing our best to take care of them uh, and we're going to get through this. So he's, he's demonstrating a leadership characteristic there of, you know, communication and giving people that hope and dream. And that goes back to the Vector program for so many people that enter our business, they do not have hopes and dreams when they start. We actually help them create some of their hopes and dreams. Some of them, our hopes and dreams to stay with us and do great things and some are to go on and do other things. But I really think that um, Matthew Kelly in the dream. Dream manager. Dream manager, yes. I think that there was a book about Vector. We help people rationalize what their dreams are and then pursue them. So, yep. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for your leadership, John, and thank you for making time for the podcast. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. Outstanding. That was John Welpley, ladies and gentlemen, the Chief Operations Officer and President of Vector Marketing Corporation. 39 years in the Cutco business. Uh, Cool to hear how John grew up near Olean. And after going to school at St. Bonaventure, had that chance to stay in the company after his intern role he had while in college. And because of that, was around in the company during that critical time where the team of executives bought Cutco from Alcoa and went through the financial challenges of that period. And it was really cool to hear how some of the seeds of John's philosophy around generosity and how we treat people were formed when he was on the other side of the coin as an employee you know, in the company during that stage, during those early days. The concept of the vector way, it's really about things like honesty and integrity, about open communication with people, about generosity, cooperation, follow through on the things we say we're going to do and striving to act in the best interest of the individual. If you listen to Jim Stitt's podcast with me, Jim said something along the lines of, you know, we don't have to make business decisions that affect our people. We are able to make people decisions that affect our business. And we're able to do that because we're family owned and because the people who are leading the corporation 
have these specific values around acting in the best interest of the individuals. And that is a very powerful reason why Cutco and Vector have become so successful. And John Welpley has been a major part of the formation of those values. And he also challenged us toward the end here saying, you know, as we reap rewards, right, be sure to give back to others. And I think that's a good phrase to leave you all with today is just thinking about the ways that you can be giving back to other people. As we're recording this, we're in a particularly challenging time where there are a lot of people who are really struggling in the world. And those of us who, you know, aren't struggling quite so much or aren't being hit quite so hard, I think have a responsibility at times like this to be giving back to others and doing the things we can. And that that mentality, that approach, that philosophy should be permanent for all of us. And uh, it doesn't have to be large dollar amounts that we're giving to others. It can be small dollar amounts. It can be amounts of our time. It can be influence, connections. There's a lot of ways that you can help impact other people and help other people. And you know, John Welpley surely exhibits that spirit. I think it's a great spirit for people to adopt in life. And I hope you enjoyed getting to know this very powerful, influential leader who has meant so much to a lot of us here in the company. So thanks very much for listening to the podcast today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. And if you want access to today's show notes, including links to any resources mentioned, visit changinglivespodcast.com. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. I'll catch you back here in a few days for our next story about changing lives.